When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker uh, Playoff Specials. We've been doing the last few weeks. I'm joined today by Yasai Dinyas. It's a roller coaster, man. The most volatile man on the on the planet. It's up and down, man. Yeah, man. I'll change my mind tomorrow. So big weekend for you. You got you got the FA Cup final today. You got um the game 7 tomorrow. You could come out of it on Monday in top of the world, right? Or the other way around. Who, no. who, who knows? Or, or, or under a gel. Um if you had to pick Chelsea to win the FA Cup or the Celtics to win game, game 7. seven. What, game, seven. Game, 7 yeah? game 7, all game 7 yeah. all day. You, you you'll give up an FA Cup. I hear you. Oh, uh, happily. Happily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the blue corner, um knee. How you doing, knee? Yeah, I'm good, man. My team will secure their place in the Western Conference Finals. I'm just chilling. I'm gonna watch Game Seven tomorrow with a big smile on my face. You're just Box waiting, yeah. Be a good game, yeah. Mavs against Suns or whatever. Whoever comes in the finals is cool. You you ain't worried. Chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm chilling for now. Isn't it? Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, it's been a few days since we lasted a podcast, so uh, we thought we'd take you through the status of, of all the different uh, second round series. Some completed, some not. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's kick things off with Philly versus the Miami Heat. Um, you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that um, the Miami Heat have disbanded of the Philadelphia 76ers in um, six games. Um, they won game six, 99 to 90. But I'm going to come across to you, Nii. Um, Let's update the fans on, on how exactly that happened. So can you quickly give us an overview of the game to start with? Yeah, sure. So like, I'd just let you go from the beginning of the series, even. Okay. To be honest, like, this has been the series of the supporting cast and that like, role players being comfortable at home and being uncomfortable away from home. So that like, game one and two, the Heat win. Um, and then game three and four, Embiid comes back. Like, I think the Heat struggled to deal with Embiid um, and Philly win those two games. And if we look at the role players for the Heat, so like, the thing with them and what I was talking about, um, with Shaq before is that Miami don't particularly have a star player. Um, and the star player is Butler, but he's not maybe like a super superstar, but he, he's a good player, he's a solid player, star player, but not like a super superstar. That's really, I think you, you guys are doing them a disservice. He's a, he's a proven playoff performer, man. He is, but like he's not. Can a I just, player. do you know, he's what? not your Yannis, he's not your me. I was thinking your... about this this morning, just to, yeah, just interject briefly, right? Courtside countdown. We've done it two years in a row. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to come up with the third preseason rankings imminently in a couple of weeks. Who is going to have the balls to put Harden over Jimmy Butler? Nobody. Nobody. Someone will. Yeah, at this point, that's a silly. That's a, you can't justify that in any nah. way, shape, or form. If I was trying to win a know. ring today, tomorrow, two years from now, I'm picking Jimmy Butler. 100%. Boy, it's so just two years. He two years. He's been nowhere near. It's been like seven or six behind him, and now, yeah, I, I think I think this is going to be the most interesting countdown we do in terms of this playoffs has ruined and built reputations like 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 men not many recently have. Yeah, agreed. Yes, go on, go on. You're taking us through the series. Yeah, so that's saying to Shaq how um what he sees with this team because um Jimmy Butler's their best player. Um, Bam and the Bio would be their second. But you can see that when like the role players or like their supporting cast, Tyler Hero, Strauss, um, and Duncan, etc., aren't hitting their shots, it gets a bit sticky for Miami. Um, I think they hit around like the 25%-ish mark from the three in games three and four against Philly. And I think they kind of lost the game there and just couldn't handle Embiid. So then we get to game five and six, and I'll just talk about quickly just game six and give it a quick overview. Um, and Jimmy Butler was the star of the show. I mean, like he took care of business. Um, third quarter, he just closed them out. Defense, um, and I think what kind of really flipped this series is the adjustments that Spurs made in game going back to game five, and their defense started playing on Embiid. Um, so you see, Bam was way more aggressive in facing him up. Um, like there's a lot of help, defense, and coverage around Embiid, um, and they made this, like they made life difficult for him. It was even hard for Philly to get like a simple entry pass into MB. Like he was fighting for his life on every possession. Like the start, like the start going, start going at him offensively, just like wearing him down and like taking him away. And like the poor guy, broken face, broken back, broken hand, everything, man. Like the guy was out there, I'm on the limb, um, and his supporting cast, like Harden. My goodness, man. I mean, I kind of feel James, James Harden. Obviously, yes, just mentioned him in regards to the top twenty-five countdown, but. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on on how he's, he's played this this series. I know, yes, there's the stats, you know, shoots a lot more um, in the first half and more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, but the stats are one thing, and it's, it's something else to to feel and experience that performance. So observing James Harden in this series, what are your takeaways? What is he left, like, what is left of him as a player at this point, based on what you've seen? Um, so that I think MB kind of summarised it in the press that he did after the game, he said that this isn't the Houston James Harden no more. He said, this is the James Harden that's going to facilitate, that's going to pass, that's going to get you assists. And this is not the guy that's going to get to the line that 11, 12 times a game. He's not the guy who's going to commit the defence and collapse the defence. He could even beat some of his guys one-on-one. Like the guys Probably, probably the second year in a row that you've wanted Embiid to not be so open after getting eliminated. It's true, but I mean, like he's just being honest with what James Harden is at the moment. Like, if you look at the way he played in those games, and like this isn't like a quantifiable like stat, but like there was no heart, like there was no commitment. Heart, like, yeah, there's no heart, there's no passion. Twenty percent from heart. <laughs> <laughs> like, like some of those plays, and like we'll get onto it later, and like blunder the games or whatnot. But um, like some of the plays was running, like he, he couldn't beat his man one on one, so he he was kind of lost on what he should do afterwards because he was just being swarmed, and then. Yeah, man, just a bad game. He was out of school by PJ Tucker, bro, in an elimination game. I mean, like, I know we kind of expect this from Harden, but, bro, like, one year, I just want Embiid to have a decent running mate 
he's there to play, he's actually fit, he's committed and wants to actually go and win this championship because I, I feel like his legacy is being tainted. Um, I, I hear you. Um, they have a big decision to make um, this summer regarding James Harden and, and signing him to a long-term decision. And when I say big decision, they shouldn't sign him to a long-term contract. Absolutely not. No. But we know exactly how the NBA works in regards to player relationships, etc., etc., and franchises wasting money and, and mm -hmm. reputation and people potentially thinking that, you know, some people are still mentioning the hamstring injury he had a couple of years ago, um, still slowing him down. Um, so so they, they may still um, sign him in to that long-term contract, but I think that will be firmly shutting their championship window. Fir firmly shutting their championship window. But, I mean, they've already committed to keeping Rivers. Yes, Maury Carter said we're keeping Rivers. Yeah. And he basically said, oh, yeah, no, Harden with a full off-season, but... Like and and you know what maybe like they might know that he's just banged up and whatever and whatever but bro he's he's thirty three in August like it's not gonna get better and like it's not even that but I think people on Twitter and like social media and whatnot are going crazy in game four when he had like thirty points or whatnot and they're calling it vintage James Harden I think when I start calling the players performance vintage like I think you know you're over the hill bro like it's, it's kind of finished room and like if you look at the defense Miami played on Embiid. Um, there just wasn't enough respect for the guy that Harden is. Like, I and mean, they know that they can have their players taking one on one. That like, he was he was struggling to beat guys like Tyler Hero off the dribble. And if that's the case now, then boy, I don't know. Like, I'm feeling can't be signing him if they want the future. It doesn't. It doesn't bode well. So let's yeah. um, uh, lock into Game Six with our with our kind of headlines. So, what's your overview of how Game Six went? Um, it was just Miami's defense. To be honest. Um, like, I know people want to get onto MB and say, you know, um, if you're out there, then you should play the game and you should play strong or whatnot. But um, there was literally not much he could do. Like, he was getting the ball. He was turning at the top of the key. And, like, I mean, he was see like, three Miami like, defenders. People were coming off help. Um, people were coming off James Harden, even, um, to, to even, like, try and trap Embiid. And, and when, like, your role players aren't really stepping up, um, it's just, just a long day. And I think what Spoh did, he kind of stopped all the switching action from like game five and they started like he started getting his guys to fight over screens and when he started doing that it made life more difficult for Harden because he wasn't getting um that space yeah, or that right. coverage where he could like, step back and hit that three and then like there wasn't enough movement off ball for Philly and then yeah um, MB was oh man it was kind of sad to see is that literally the same case with Trey Young in the previous series where like, they, they just took him out of the game um like obviously MB is going to get to the free throw line and maybe get his 20 points and whatnot, but it's not the same MB. It wasn't effective and it wasn't like putting players on office gravity, so to say, because like, everybody just stuck to him and didn't really put too much stock into the rest of the players in the court. And when that happens, yeah. it's kind of difficult. Yeah, I mean, I look at the plus minus and he, he was minus six in his time on the court. Um, but then you look at Maxi minus 24, Tobias Harris minus 17, James Harden minus 16, Matthias Thibel minus 15. Um, like you say, it is a case of that supporting cast around him um, not being able to really do much um, when, when he isn't on the court. And this wasn't even the best, fittest version of uh, Embiid. Who is your man of the match? Um, Jimmy Butler, for sure. Um, so like you, like you mentioned Maxi there, who was maybe like the guy that you'd expect to step up, maybe be like the third, second best player on that team. Um, but I think in game five, again, that Spurs made a decision to take um, and Butler off um, 
on Tobias Harris and you put him on put him on Maxi. And I think in game five, he had something like nine, ten points in like game six, 20, but it wasn't the most like efficient 20. Um that I mean his two-way ability, Jimmy Butler, is just um insane, man. Like he, he's so good on both sides of the ball. And now he's starting to hit threes as well in the postseason. So he's got well-rounded yeah. scoring. He's keeping defenses honest. It's just a great performance, man. Yeah, I think you and you and Shaq are, are doing him a disservice, to be honest. Um, I think the last two, three years, you you struggle to name maybe five or six better playoff performers than, than Jimmy Butler. Um, so I think with him at the, the the head of that Miami monster, and depending on how Kyle Lowry recovers from this hamstring injury, whoever they get, um, I, I do favor whoever comes out of the Buck Celtic series, but we we know the Heat. They they won't lie down, and they'll make no. it really really tough. I was reading an article and. Um, Jimmy Butler's bam out of bio, and it was uh, PJ Tucker were talking about their conversations with um Spo after game four or five around their defense and their approach, and and how he kind of trusted them. Trust was the word they used to 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 one on one cover the Sixers' most dangerous guys. Like if you guys think you can do it, do yeah. it, and you should. And they show them different looks. Yeah, we're gonna go one on one, but sometimes we're gonna swarm. Sometimes we're gonna cover the weak side. So, um, Miami. Looking good. Who won the coaching battle? <laughs> it was definitely spoiled. Like, this is even close. Like, you can hear, you can see in the last two games I've been speaking, like waxing lyrical about him and his and decisions that he's made on defense, like to try and close out and be in close of the series. Um, Doc Rivers, this is not really much of a contest, is it? The guy and the guy almost beats himself, to be honest with you. So yeah. What, okay. What would you have wanted him to potentially do in this game or in this series um because if your second best supposedly second best player is James Harden uh and your 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 other max guy in I guess would you would you want him to have made is is there is he limited in terms of who he's got or or could he have done more i know that one thing that went kind of viral was he was like, come on guys let's fight for this and then they went out and gave up like six points or something again yeah so, yeah yeah so I think it's a mix of both. Um, I think it's a bit limited in what he has. Um, Tobias Harris has maybe your third, fourth player on that sort of money. Um, it, it doesn't really work well for the team. There's not enough flexibility. And then um, and when you're playing five or that many minutes in the playoff game, um, as good as he is defensively, he's just a negative on like the offense. Um, he doesn't really do much for you. He, he can't really shoot. Hasn't got a consistent jumper. Um and with Maxi, that was his second, third year, so fine. And with MB, um, and then but with you, Harden, no, you're right though. There, relying on Maxi is like you've got Embiid and Harden. It shouldn't yeah. be nah, the case. It, it should, shouldn't be getting to that. Um, and like you can kind of see Golden State Warriors like Jordan Poole, like third, fourth year player. Um, he's had big moments, but the Warriors aren't particularly relying on him. If it was us relying on him, it'd be a different situation. It'd be kind of sticky. Um, yeah, man. Like I think Philly. Are kind of in trouble with his Harden situation, but in terms of what I'd have done within the game, and like, um, I would have found ways of getting Embiid just easier shots. Like, mm. their offense was so static, and when Harden does his thin dribble, 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 try to collapse the defense doesn't work. You need to find better ways of even like setting I think the screen. You, you just touched on it there. He doesn't collapse it anymore. He can't. No, he, he can't. Yeah. He has no burst. He can't drive, and so. It's and th- me and I know Jeff outside of the pod and in the group chat were talking about this. Like I, I, I said the same thing as Embiid has. You know, oh, he's a playmaker now, and I, f- I think he still can like you know find good passes and this oh, and yeah, the other. Sure. But, but I think Jeff made a point off here. Like 
that is true. Like if you don't have the scoring threat, then that limits a lot of the driving kicks. It limits how much space people give you. It limits all sorts of stuff. So you can't think, on green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You basically like yeah, or or Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul still at thirty seven has the sort of mid range. Kyle Lowry exactly in this series is another example of someone who, without that drive and the burst and the 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 extra two yards you have to give him in case he gets past you then I think it just closes a lot of angles and a lot of opportunities to play, make And without loads of shooting in motion, which like you just mentioned, you've got thigh ball, you've got, um, I, guess, I guess Niang and Green and, and are okay shooters, but they're not movers really. No. They don't come off screens. They don't relocate any of that stuff. So if they're going to double down on the Harden thing, then they need a new roster. So, so yeah, it's, it's peak. Cool. Um, what did you have into your player of the game, Nee? Player of the game, it would probably so it's not it's not particularly one player, but I think that stretch in the third quarter where I think Yas was saying when they came out of timeout. So I think um I mean Yemen just like they shot shit down. So I think in the first nine minutes of that quarter, I think Philly scored like six points. Like, like they shut it down, like they're getting um points in transition, they were just locking Philly up. So I thought that was like the stretch of the game where they, they kind of put the series to bed. Cool. Um, blunder of the game? Blunder of the game was definitely Harden in the third quarter. Um, <laughs> there were two two plays, I think it was like consecutive plays even, where he does his dribble, 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 tried to get around his player. It didn't work. So then he goes back to the top of the key, dribble, 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 loses the ball. And then if you, if, I think if you slow it down in transition, I think him and Bam on the same level and Bam gets to the basket way before Harden. Harden's not even running back. And it was just funny because, like, as Yas was saying, uh, um, Doc Rivers was really trying to G up his team. And like, Harden just, like, he looks like he, he couldn't give a shit. He just didn't want to be there. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Cool. And finally, who were the lights too bright for? Um, I'm going to again put in James Harden. But then, <laughs> is it even too bright for me? Because he's it's, like a repeat offender. Mm, to me, when I, I think of what, what one of the lights too bright is somebody who's overawed by the situation they haven't been here before and maybe it's it's too soon for them um this is james harden this is going to be this when they write the book on james harden his uh playoff failures are going to be front and center um if you want to give it to jimmy give it to jimmy but if there's anyone else no man let's get to jimmy man let's edit his resume (laughs) (laughs) this has just been a jimmy harden slander sesh um thank you very much knee um, you've waited long enough, yes. Uh, your Boston Celtics, it's, it's, it's been an emotional week. I feel like I've been right there with you after every single game. Um, commending you, consoling you at times. Um, but here we are, game seven on Sunday. Um, I want you to do what Nii did and just, just take us through the series. Yeah, I th- we spoke a little bit before we came on. It, it's been such an up and down series because of our frustrating, like, we could have won this 4-1. We could have won this 4-2. Game five, we should have won. Like, that was a proper fumble. Game three, we didn't play well, but stuck around. And Horford was half a second late to tie it at a buzzer. Um, Yeah, it's it's been frustrating. I think it's it's been interesting. I think we are better than a Middleton-less Milwaukee. But then Giannis is so clearly um just the most able guy on the floor it's like real sheer force of will stuff 
Um, I don't want to get too much into the whistle, but the whistle is is a thing. Like, yeah, this just, Explain it, just it to is. people like, who don't know what the whistle is. The Yanis whistle is like, it's, it's mad, bro. Like, uh, he travels two, three times a game. He goes in all elbows and knees like he's in on back or something. He's injured Rob Williams by diving at his left knee, which funnily enough, coincidentally, was the one he just come back from surgery off. Um, he's, he's smashed people in the elbows and gets free throws for it. Um, the charges he gets that like, called for, he has the most charges in the in the playoffs, right? He's been called for the most offensive fouls in terms of in terms of giving up charges in the playoffs. And even then, I still think that there's some which he should be being called for that aren't like. It is. It is just a bit mad. Um, and then I don't know. Yeah. And, and then he's, he's just little sly little things as well. He'll he'll give a little push under the basket. He'll close out into your landing space, and then he'll be your mate afterwards. And he's just yeah. I don't think that bit's going to be on the Disney show. Let's just say that. But um, but you can't you can't come away from just how hard he is to guard. Like the the length he has, the the range he has in terms of he can he can blow by you and get around you, and then. Just the 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 standing reach he has to get around really good defending and still just lay it in. Um, there's not a lot you can do, especially last two games in the fourth quarter where they came back well in game five. Um, he he scored two of his two three point attempts in the fourth quarter. He scored two of his three three point attempts in game six. Um, went almost perfect from the free throw line. So he is making it very very difficult to to stop him. And I do think that's one of the stories of the series in his last four games. So games three, four, five, six, he's averaged 40, 15, and six. So this is this is unstoppable generational historical, stuff. Hi- historical stuff, yeah. And and to be honest, with the way the supporting cast, Nee mentioned it's a series of supporting cast. This is a series of pure star power for Milwaukee. Like with the way that Connor Connaughton's put in a decent shift, but Brooke Lopez has not shown up at all. Drew has had Drew started really well game five and had a great end to game, sorry, game six and had a great end to game five. Um, but he's been not great offensively. Brook Lopez has been non-factor. Grayson Allen's been really bad. Pat Connaughton's been good off the bench. Horrible, horrible yeah, Grayson Allen. He's a horrible you know guy as well, so it's yeah. just compounded, isn't it? <laughs> it's been such a high level. Like, I know you're going to ask Blunder in the game and stuff. It's been such a high level series that there hasn't been room for many bad players. I don't think anyone... Peyton Pritchard's not been good for Boston. Grayson Allen's not been good for Milwaukee. And then Brooke Lopez has struggled. Apart from that, everyone to a man has been pretty good in in, the, in their role. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a team against uh, against Thanos sort of stuff, man. Like, he is just... He got 44 in game six and the rest of his team got 48. So I think that shows how much of a burden Giannis is, is shouldering. Um, but yeah, we've got Game Seven at home. It's funny we meant we obviously we started with uh, Philly and Miami, and I said this in Game Two, but I think Miami are the biggest winners of last night because that Game Seven is going to be a bloodbath, and Miami are going to be sitting at home, feet up, watching it, and I, uh, I just yeah, I feel like whoever comes out of this series, people have been like, oh, it's like the finals in the second round. The level's been high, the physicality's been high, the defending's been amazing. But I think both teams are going to be shattered by the time they they get whichever one gets to Miami. So it's been an amazing series, honestly, amazing series. It's frustrating because I feel like we should have probably closed it out by now, especially with how little wing help Giannis has been getting. Um, 
it's that whole old adage of, oh, let him beat you and stop the supporting cast. It's like, well, we've kind of done that and still not closed it out. So been frustrating in, in that regard. But um, but yeah, amazing series. Okay. Let's drill down into a bit more detail in, in game six from you, Yas. Can you give us an overview of, of the game, the ebbs and flows, where it was won, where it was lost? I think we, we came out of the block shooting amazingly well, 10 of 17 from deep. Um, and that was always going to be... We were we're on the road. We're on Milwaukee elimination game. We needed to put them on the back foot, back foot with the three point shooting. We did that. Um, Giannis, the free throws, Hacker Giannis didn't work at all. He he was he was just knocked down from the line. But I think I think the ten of seventeen early really helped. It kept us in a little not healthy lead, but enough of a lead, and and we felt in control of it the whole time. Um, but I I was just wary of being fooled i was wary of being fooled because game five looked so comfy um until the fourth quarter that we even with that early discrepancy in three-point shooting where we they were at 20 something percent we were we were over 50 at halftime 10 point lead at halftime we still needed jason on friday the 13th jason tatum to go supernova to close it out um and that is i'd say a little bit concerning in that you get the three-point discrepancy on side. The free throws we leveled up. We limited transitions, which we were pretty poor with elsewhere in the series. We limited their offensive rebounds, which we were awful of in Game Five. So we cleaned up everything, and still needed, arguably, Jason Tatum's best playoff performance. I think you could say that his fifty-point game against the Nets last year was was out there, but it was again in a loss for a bad team. This is this yeah. was going toe to toe with the best in the league, forty-six to Giannis is forty-four. Um, seven three-pointers out of 13, I think it was. And we we needed that to get over the line. So it was, a, a again, another war went right down to it. It was a six-point game at times in the fourth quarter. Like, it was it was close. Um, but we did enough to close it out. We got the stops to close it out. And Jason Tatum carried us. Yeah, the, ne- the next one is man of the match. Um, there's only really two choices. But, you know, he gets the win. you got to give it to, to, to James... Jason, sorry, James. Even no, Jason. yeah, he was he was outstanding, and I think he like he's frustrating because aggressive, get to the basket, play with poise, Tatum, who knocks down good looks, is then there's the two of ten first half from deep in game what, five. Like, he's, what percentage the, the, of the time is he that first? Um, Tatum. This season is the most he's ever been it consistently. I think he finished mm. in sixth or seventh MVP voting. And I yeah. think that was deserved. It wasn't proper MVP season, but it was yeah. in the conversation. It was the best player on one of the better teams. Mm. Um, and and yeah, like last night, he, he forced up a couple, but generally every shot was good as opposed to game five. And this is the problem. He's 24, he's young. He's still going to have those games where he just isn't playing with the right poison, the right composure, the whinging at the refs. He was fortunate that another Wes Matthews free didn't go down because of a take foul where he was whinging at the refs. He doesn't get a whistle. Um, He doesn't get a whistle that maybe he should, but he's kind of just got to firm that until those calls start coming. Um, That's a problem. But I think think his age and stuff is what keeps him from being that guy every single night. It's just, it is going to come. It's just frustrating when you need it, maybe two years ahead of schedule. But um, 
But yeah, he needs the shot to fall. He needs the three ball to fall because that opens up everything inside for him. He's never going to be a Yanis which just flies in elbows and knees mm. first where he just can go and take all his contact. He's just not that guy. Yeah. So he needs the shots to fall early to open it up. But he's got his handles got like this is the thing. A lot of his game has improved massively. This yeah. year. His handles got a lot better. His passing's got a lot better. His choices, his finishing around the rim's got a lot better. Yeah, um, I think the games they always use this term. Um, but the game slowed down for him almost again, uh, yeah. and I think when when you get that Tatum who's chucking, that's um, his worst parts of his nature. It's just a I'm a bucket getter. I, I'm just I'm throwing something up, you know. Yeah. I'm throwing something up. I don't care. Um, but that more mature Tatum, there was one pass we were watching in the first half where he fizzed it with his left hand to the corner. Um, yeah, I think it was to Brown. He, and man. It was so good, and it's so like obviously Milwaukee played drop. We know that it's, it's what they've done for years. But Tatum finds himself at that nail free throw line area so often, especially in the first half of games before they really lock in. And again, it's like that inconsistency due to age. Like sometimes he just bang in the moment yeah. in the flow hits that pass, and then other times he just uh, he dribbles back out because he doesn't trust the shot and yeah. everything like that. And I think that's the sort of shot which in two years it's just you're not going to be able to give him that space because he'll make you pay every time. It's not quite there yet. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's probably his best game as a Celtic last night. So so outstanding. Yeah, well, what what a time to deliver. Um, who won the coaching battle? I think I think Udoka did, and I know we always kind of give it to whoever won the game. We go with the coaching <laughs> yeah. battle. Um, I think I gave Billy Donovan one once. Yeah, you did. Nice yeah, in the first round. Um, but no, I think I think Udoka. I think Udoka's best thing as a coach is he he holds them very, very, very accountable. Like, and I think that's what maybe the group needed more from Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is an amazing coach. But he was just never the guy to call them pussies, which Udoka does regularly. <laughs> like he just calls them out for not being physical enough. Like, and I think that partly cut like Udoka, right? If anyone knows about Udoka's career, it wasn't great. Um, it was it was it was an NBA career, but it was milling around on the end of rosters, end of rotations in Portland, in Spur, in San Antonio. Just his job was to come in and spoil, to guard, to be a prick. He played without tendons in his knee or cartilage in his knee for most of his career. I think he just, he has this attitude of my whole career came because I didn't let anyone take the piss. Yeah. So you have all this talent in Tatum Brown, smart Rob Williams. Don't let anyone take the fucking piss. And I think, I think another coach after game five, where we were so disappointed and so many sloppy turnovers I don't think we had a turnover in the fourth quarter last night. And I think he is very good at when he gets them in, there is, like you've seen it all season, really. There is a lot of confidence when he gets them in that they're not going to come out and just be shit again. Like he, mm. he uh, yeah, the level after timeouts, even if it's not uh, magic plays after timeouts, just the level of focus and, and intent after timeouts is never really lacking. Um yeah, rotation-wise, he does is not many wrinkles from him. Like he sticks to his seven, eight guys. I think he's trusted Tice a lot more in the last few games, which has been important without Rob Williams. Um, he's put Derek White in at the perfect times, like just to go small. He made some lineup. nice buckets. Um 
there were some non Yanis minutes when I think he got his third foul in the second quarter and mm. he broke, who did he break down? It might have been Brooke Lopez, some dribbling stuff, maybe hit a three as well. Um, I know you ain't been a Derek White fan at all, um, but yeah. He, but do you know what? He, he suits this series a lot because I think we we get away from what puts us in the lead sometimes, which is just keeping it moving, looking for the good, great shot, not a good one. And he just comes in and kind of plays to his level, which is not this superstar. He comes in, makes the right play, runs, cuts, keeps the ball moving, plays the extra pass. He's very much an Udoka player, I think. Um, and he's, he's had a really good series, to be fair. Like Derek White shut me up a little bit with his series. He's been outstanding in that role. Um, and I think that's all that Udoka's really done but it has been enough to win the coaching battle for me where he's just he's held them accountable the timeouts are, are well used the rotations last two games have been really really good he's known when to go small he's known when to go big except for maybe that when we should have got a rebound and gave five could have maybe had another big man in there um but game six was really good um we clearly went three ball early didn't totally lose our head when it stopped dropping just kind of managed that um, and and yeah, it was it was a really well well worked game. Yeah, uh, what was your player of the game? Player of the game. I mean, I've just mentioned Udoka not really um, being a a massive play designer, um, but there was one in the fourth. This is a thing. Like I mentioned with game five, I was never quite confident of any leads, and in the fourth quarter, we were eight up, five minutes left. Um, and it was a sideline out of bounds after timeout play. Um, Marcus Smart passes it into Tatum, gets it back off a handoff, dribbles it round to the far side. Tatum's kind of flared his run around all the way on the far side and come round to the corner. And you can see Connor and Drew and Portis all kind of, or Wes Matthews, sorry, all get a bit preoccupied with Tatum there. And Marcus on the strong side. And then Jalen Brown with his flare run just curls it all the way around the other way. Tatum was very much the hot hand at this point. Jalen Brown didn't have a great game. But they're all so fixated on Tatum that it's Jalen who comes around on the far side, on the weak side, pull, gets it um, and pulls up from free above the break and, and nails it. And that put us from 8 to 11, five minutes left. Went away from the hot hand, cleverly brought Tatum over with a big decoy cut. Um, yeah, it was that, that was a lovely little play. So that that, that felt significant. Mm. What was your blunder of the game, if there were any? I know you mentioned there aren't many. Yeah, man, it's just it's just too high a level of series. Mm. I think I think Grayson Allen was poor again. Brooke Lopez, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't belong again. out there at all. Nah, I think Grayson Allen. The bro the problem is even though okay, even though he's not hitting shots, neither is Wes Matthews. Like, but Grayson Allen is just getting picked on defensively. Yeah, constantly. so you're getting you're just a net. You're just a super net, net negative. negative. And and, yeah. and I, I know he's I know he's short and I know he's streaky from free himself, but I think this is a little bit of a blunder in Budenhazer's really doubled down on the Grayson Allen minutes, and I'm surprised that Javon Carter's just been totally banished. Um because he's pesky. Like I know he's small, but I could see him being more of a problem for Brown and, and Tatum than than Tate than uh, Allen has been. I think that's that's been really poor. Um, yeah, they're absolutely, um, or should I say, um, Grayson Allen is absolutely tanking his minutes, minus 29, which yeah, is far and away, well, Brooke Lopez is just behind him, minus 22 last night, um, but when you compare yeah, that... You know what, yeah, with um, yeah. Like Brooke Lopez, like, in terms of like, the game, there was a stage where the box got it down to like seven, and then I think Drew, I think Drew threw like an alley-oop to... Um, Brooke Lopez? Yeah, Brook Lopez, and like he missed it, and I was like, "Shit!" And like, I think they went up and then scored a two. 
um, like Celtics. And then if you look at that, it's just a, such a big swing in the game. And that from that being down seven and almost potentially getting back to that level points, they were down at 13, 14 within that within that another minute. And that kind of there was at the game like this, like the Celtics just like kept not like, stopping the bleeds as soon as they started running with stuff. Tate would hit some big shots. I think there was a big shot where he hit um, a, a buzzer beater right at the end of the shot clock, which was huge. And that like, just kept that parity between the two teams. But um, yeah, like, that Brooke Lopez, like the inability to finish at the rim there. And then that missing, I think Drew hit like a free in transition where the pool could have just got like an easy bucket. It's just little things like that. Um, it's like a four or five point swing. Yeah, I, I fully hear you. And you know what that it is with those scenarios? It's like your team's got a double-digit lead. Um, yeah. So you'll give the ball to a couple of other guys, get a touch. You know, Marcus Smart, get a little touch. We want you to feel like you're part of the offence. Um, Brown, get a touch as well. We want you to, to, to get your 20, 25 points. Um, don't score. All right, cool. Give it to the give it to the proper player now, um, and and he'll get a bucket to again maintain maintain that lead. And every time um, Tatum was asked to do that last night, he he responded. Um, listen, Giannis is going to be the best player on the floor in in basically every single series at this point. But when you're ever able to, you know, keep your Dukes up and fight him almost to to a standstill and better him in some cases, um, you've more than done your job. And we talk about our top twenty five quite a bit. Um, yes, in, in the chat, it'll be interesting to see um, where where Tatum ends up um, this 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 next coming one. Um, who were the lights too bright for? Yes, do you know? I know we've dunked on Grayson Allen a lot. Do you know who's not been good like mm. offensively at all? Bobby Portis has not had a good series. Mm. He's, he's, yes, yeah. he's not had a good series at all. And I think the fact that he he can't bully like Grant Williams, Horford even ties to a, to an extent, even Tatum to an extent. Like, I think the fact that we match Milwaukee so well size-wise, um, I think loses the Portis bully ball that he kind of gets away with because he's not a finesse guy, his shot's streaky. Um, he's been poor. Like He he was like two of eight from the field or something like that. He Two yeah. of nine, maybe. He, he's been really poor. He's missed, some, he's missed some close looks as well. Even the one he effectively won the game with him, game five, he only won that rebound and got it in very, very nearly didn't because of a miscommunication with Celtics and Portis has been poor. And I think in general, like the, apart from Pat Connaughton, the, uh, the wing depth for Milwaukee has just really let Giannis down. Um, Wes Matthews has done his defensive stuff. He's not there to score, but Allen, Portis, they, they need to offer so much more, even, even if it's just hitting like two or four, from deep, just something. That's enough, um, yeah. Just enough to make us respect them a little bit more because we are literally it is Giannis v v Boston right now, and I think I think that's a big X factor for the for Game Seven. If all of a sudden Allen and and Portis start hitting, get a little bit hot, get a little bit of rhythm, Dennis Dennis could be trouble. But as it stands, they they've been really poor. Yeah, it just feels like when you're watching from the start of the game, he's just having to haul them to points. Play after play after play after play. Um, and we mentioned how poor their fourth quarter scoring generally has been and their, their fourth quarter execution lacking. Even if it's a, a, a James Harden performance where you, you do most of your heavy support in the first half of the game and you say, Yanis, right, take us home in the second half, that would be much better than what they've been trying to do. I think it's been one of those series, which, again, I've said to you, I expect you to win it. Um, he loses absolutely no credit. In, the, in fact, if anything, it only really enhances his his reputation as a player. Um, but yeah, 
Game seven is going to be on Sunday. We're going to have a spaces running on our Twitter account. So if you're listening to this, uh, make sure you tune in. Yes, we'll be front and center. It's going to be a hell of an emotional roller coaster. I'll um, be just I, back. I'll be just back from the women's FA Cup final, probably. So it's a, it's a weekend for us. I love it. I love it. Um, Nee, you've been patient enough. Um, first team out of the West, and you're in the Western Conference Finals for the first time in how many years? About three or four years. And the no, smugness bro. is already back. How, imagine that, bruv. Imagine. I should not have been too smug about this. And we'll get into that in a second, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to highlight how in, in a couple of examples here. Um, so, yeah, t- take us through the series, sir. Um, so, to be honest with you, if you're Memphis, you're probably looking at this series and thinking, I don't know why we lost this series. They should have at least pushed us to seven games. Um, and if you're a Warriors fan, well, me personally, I'm... Sort of concerned. Like, um, I don't think we handled this series well. I don't think we're particularly the better team. So, but I think maybe just like down the stretches, we executed better in the more important moments. And like, there were little moments. I think in the first game where John misses that um, game, he misses that shot to win the game. It's just little things like that within the series. And I think we had like one blowout win and so did Memphis. But apart from that, it was pretty even. Um, and I think. We kind of got away with one in that like, we and prolonged this series, and you can see like Desmond Bain was starting to get back into shape and started hitting shots again. He became more effective, and if we gave him enough time and like draw potentially game back for game seven, I didn't fancy our chances. Um, oh, humble. Yeah, like I'm like the way we handled this series is like pissed me off, man. Because like, if, if you look at the Timberwolves, like they kind of like put down the blueprint of how to beat this Memphis team, and they just couldn't execute because they had too many bosses on that team. <laughs> which we don't need to get into. Bozo um, Ball, yeah, 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 I hear it. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, a, young, they're a young team. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I was just thinking from game one, if we just, like, take care of the ball and, like, pave a bit of poise and, like, vet savvy and, like, don't get Memphis into transition, like, don't give up stupid balls, like, loud balls, like, um, just take care of the ball and slow down the game and make it a half-court game. That's where a Memphis struggle. And... I don't think there was particularly like a point in the series where like we particularly showed that there might have been like a quarter here and there, but there wasn't like a stretch of a game where like the vets would come in like Steph and just like slow the game down or, or, or like even Draymond like he was always like looking to play the ball quickly and he had his stupid turnovers and his pocket Question. passes that weren't working frustrating. Mm-hmm. Question: um, I mean, Yeah, are, are you being Golden State if you're not trying to push the pace though? So look, I'm um, here's the thing. So. I'm as a vet savvy team. Here's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, as a vet savvy team, yeah. Um, I think this team still believes that they're the team of like two or three years ago, and they're not. And it, it it's sad to see, like, um, not like you believe your own hype, but they, they seem to be more like more aware of where they are in yeah. this current moment. Um, and they're not the team that can be sloppy with the turnover and like Steph, like be sleepy for a whole like half and like have those stupid shitty turnovers that he does. Um, mm. Because we don't have KD there that can get you, like, 20 points in the quarter. We don't have um, Clay that plays that plays like lockdown defence and guards their best player um, anymore. Yeah. Um, like, Draymond's not the same threat offensively anymore. Steph isn't hitting his shots that, like he used to. And to be honest, mm. it, it's not even like a game basis. I've been looking at him for the last six, seven months. Like, he's not, he, he's not really the Steph Curry of even last year where he was, like, a... Yeah, I think he's taken. Would you say so? 
that's interesting that you mentioned that because the first time we had the conversation in the chat, it was very robust. Guys like you, to be fair, were laughing at us for questioning Steph Curry because it's Steph mm -hmm. Curry, you know. Um, and you were mentioning that actually he was scoring contested threes as well as he ever done. Um, yeah. But it was actually the wide open threes that he was missing, which yeah, missing eventually them, yeah. you expect over time to, to regress back to or improve yeah. back to, to its mean. Um, now you're saying that you've actually it's actually a decline, yeah? Yeah, because it, it's not regressing to the mean. This has been like a sustained period. And yeah. what's even more frustrating is that um, he's not hitting the mid-range shots. So like, there's plenty of situations yesterday and just in like, this playoffs in general and even during the season where he had opportunities to hit the mid-range keep the defense on it so like just floaters yeah yeah and like he's not hitting them like there's some hesitant there's some like he's hesitant there and I, I don't know it's because he doesn't believe in his own shot and he's not been finishing at the rim like he used to because um, um like obviously he's got a three-point threat and that burst of speed that he had to get to the rim but like it's not as dramatic as James Harden but he's not breaking down and taking his mouth to dribble like he used to like obviously yeah. lost a little step there and like he's finishing if he's not finishing like he used to, it, it, it just makes life a lot more difficult for you. Like, there's things that I think we can do um, as a team to get him into rhythm earlier. But I think I think more onus is on Steph to just be better offensively, to be honest with you. Interesting. I think where he was maybe in, in his prime, he could go long periods without getting a touch and it doesn't really impact his ability to instantly go nuclear. Um, mm -hmm. And I think... Steve Kerr's tried to manage him the same way. And what I see from a lot of Warriors fans is the ball isn't in his hands enough. And quite, I guess that would be quite um, a contrast because the reason he's been so great to play with is that he's a superstar that doesn't need the ball a lot. So if you mm -hmm. play with him, you, you'll get your touches. Are you potentially saying that this, this version of Steph Curry, who's maybe not able to go as nuclear as often off of being cold in terms of getting touches needs the ball a bit more needs to be involved a bit more um just to kind of stay stay ready stay warm so so his ability to go from cold to nuclear isn't what it was so you guys have to make him keep him warm so then he can go nuclear if and when needed yeah i think that's kind of a mix of it i think he needs it and i think the team needs it because um it was Draymond that used to run point but he's not the same offensive threat that he used to be like teams literally don't guard him at all so you're almost playing on four and five, essentially. Um, and that teams know the way we play now, um, like our off screens and that Steph running around the court trying to get open, et cetera, et cetera, do more handoffs. I think if we simplified and maybe mixed up our coverage offensively a bit more, getting some high pick and roll so that he can get there, setting it out a bit more, breaking down, get to the rim more, like collapse the defense and spray it out. Um, and even stuff like, because um, I think in the first game when Draymond got ejected, our offense looked really fluid. Him, Jordan Paul, and Clay were hitting threes, and they were getting um, like open shots. And that the, the game looked really fluid, and that it was really on force for us. Like turnovers were minimized. Whereas, like when Draymond plays this way, it forces the issue sometimes, and then we get really deep into the shot clock, and that's when you start getting stupid turnovers. You try yeah. to make the pocket passes that start hitting your players' feet. It doesn't quite work out. It gets a bit scrappy. Um, yeah. So I would like to see Steve Kerr maybe make a few. Um, adjustments offensively um but yeah like i think some of it is on the players as well to just be smart with the ball and like knowing the moment of the game that maybe you need to switch up the way you're playing that like, i think that i think there should be more honest on the players to um have better in-game management okay so the, you take the ime doka uh route yeah um let's have a quick um breakdown of game six then so what's your overview of the game Nii? um 
I thought we were sloppy. Um, we kind of got away from them being able to put a run together in the fourth. So to begin with, we made a change to the starting lineup. Eventually, finally, um, we took Kaminga out and put and put Looney back in. I think Kaminga's been good. Like obviously, he's like one of the youngest starters in NBA history. Um, I was reading like um, uh, I think a couple games back, and um, he's been fine. But he's done things that you expect from a rookie. And if you look at our offense, he was like very much confused. Um, he wasn't setting the screens that you can see Looney was setting in the first quarter to get Clay open. Um, like the angles of his screens, um, like the timing of his cutting, it was all over the place. Um, and it made it really difficult having him and Draymond offensively, um, especially in the first quarters. Um, it made the offense really sticky. So it was a change that I wanted in the last game. I'm not too sure why I didn't come and got blown out. But um, Mike Brown finally put Looney back in. And Looney was, um, I mean, we'll get into it more, probably my player of the game. He, he was immense in the first quarter. I think he got like 11 rebounds in the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, like, we had a good start. And Clay was hitting his freeze. Um, but Memphis just kept kept staying in the game. Like, and those guys don't really get too phased about um, teams getting like a hot streak. And they just come back off the court and start getting their looks. And because of all the turnovers, we are kind of playing into Memphis' hands, like playing in transition. And that's when they're most effective. Um, and Dylan Brooks had a great game, to be fair. I think he might have missed his first two or three free balls. And I was like, here we go again. But the guy <laughs> made seven frees. And that's not, that's not something you expect from um I'm from, he was know, averaging like seven games. for the series or something Bro, like that. Do you know what? Yeah, yeah. But Flav's, Flav, Flav's put this on the Twitter and he, he put like a play-by-play -play late in the game from, from about <laughs> seven minutes left of, of the fourth. And it was like uh, six minutes left, Dylan Brooks lost ball turnover. Then the next Memphis thing was Dylan Brooks misses driving layup. Then the next Memphis thing was Dylan Brooks misses 26-foot three-point jumper. And you're like, yeah, live by the Dylan Brooks, die by the Dylan Brooks. Yeah, you're in a precarious position if that's who you're you are, having to rely on in that position. But, yeah, it's, it's a state of the series. You, you didn't mention Ja Morant at all. Yes, yeah, so like, um, Ja was missing, obviously. But like, even without Ja, like, we made hard work. We made like, um, hard work of it. And like, we've seen this Memphis team. I think they were, what, 26-1 in, in the regular season without Ja. Um, and we've seen them even in the playoffs um, get wins without him. Um, Memphis is a really good team, and it's like a team that the older team should be concerned about. So, like Suns um, and the Warriors, um, I think they're coming even on next year, the year after. Um, I don't think this series would fly next year once they get like more reps. I think we'd lose this series in that like, six or seven. Um, so, we even need to make some moves or I'm really seeing our players to play better and we need to make some adjustments offensively and defensively. But um Wiseman's yeah, coming we... back, no? Huh? James Wiseman's coming back, no? Yeah, I ain't too sure how much of a fact that James Wiseman's gonna be in it. Like <laughs> I mean if he was fit now, I mean, we might be getting like five or six minutes in the playoffs games. Like that guy couldn't defend a lick. So I'm not too sure you want someone like him and Jordan Paul out there in the pool together because they just asking for trouble, innit? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Who did you have obviously your man of the match? Man of the match is Looney. Um, yeah, he, you know one of the is? more peculiar stat lines that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, for four points, eight assists, um, no, four points, five assists, and 22 rebounds. 22 rebounds, yeah, he was immense. I think he got um, 11 offensive rebounds. Um, and he was single handedly keeping um, it's an, he kind of keeping us in the game because of all the turnovers we had. Um, he kind of balanced out those turnovers with the offensive rebounds we were getting. And like, there were some big ones he got. 
um, in the third and fourth quarter that kind of kept us in flow and that put the game to bed, essentially. But um, Looney was immense. Like, I mean, his defence has been great. It's what you can always expect from him. He was like a really dependable, smart guy. And um, yeah, like I was saying, you've seen the first quarter, like the dribble handoffs and like, the, the, the angles of his screens, that like, he just knows where to be to get Steph and Clay open to hit those threes and like, get them comfortable and get them hot. Um, so yeah, like he was amazing. He was amazing in the game. Exactly. And I also give like a special shout out to Andrew Wiggins as well. No, nah, it's not, not not the most popular player with your fans, but um, he, he's key in this lineup, I think. Yeah, he is. And to be honest with you, I think he's been our best player um, in this series. Um, he's probably been the most consistent. He had a bad first half. He was like one for eight. His energy was off. Like He just wasn't really out offensively at the least. Um, and then he comes that second half. He keeps us in the game um, in the third quarter with like 10 points or so. Um, he always gives you like, like good defence and like he doesn't, force the issue too much offensively like he does what he needs to do i'm almost a bit like harrens and barnes did back in the day he, he plays that role well like he doesn't go shot hunting he doesn't need like he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to do what he has to do offensively he's going to get his 15 16 points and give you really stellar elite defense almost um and you can't really ask for too much more than that to be honest mm, you absolutely Battered them on the boards, man. Yeah, we did. We've got 70 rebounds, isn't it? Yeah, 70 to 44. Yeah, yeah. What did Pat Riley say? Rebounds and defense win championships. Um, who won the coaching battle? Coaching battle. Um, I was even gonna say if I could just not pick anyone today, because okay, that's fine. You can do Matt Brown. I mean, I mean, it really do. I can finally. Mike Brown, future head coach of the Sacramento Kings. You have, yeah, and I can tell, and it's a bit fitting to be honest. So, I'm good luck. (laughs) Wow, (laughs) I'm good luck to them at the Smoothie King Center. Um, I think the coach. Not what I expected from you today, Nia. I'm, I'm stunned. I thought this was going to be a somewhat of a victory parade, but you, there's nothing to wax. You're not happy. You're not happy at all. Nah. it was nasty, man. It was gross. And that like, Steph is lucky he started hitting the shots in the fourth because he was about to be the um, the blunt of the game, the shittest player of the game, everything, man. Um, but yeah, like the coaching battle. Um, yeah, like Neva, no, Neva, if you want to say Neva, that's fine. No, no, Neva, no Neva. like these these titles are here as our frameworks, and I wouldn't want you to just throw a name in of two coaches you don't really rate. So Neva works. Oh, yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh play play the game. Um, play of the game was probably Looney. Um, I think the fourth quarter, yeah, it was the fourth where the game was still like back and forth. He got a big offensive rebound, sprayed it out to Clay. Clay hit the shot, and that's kind of the dagger. I think he went from like a 10 point game to 13, and that was it was kind of it that game over, series over, um, sort of thing. So, like, Looney was just incredible that game. Lovely blunder the game. Um, it was Matt Brown when he. I'm um, he I'm challenged the call in the second quarter. And you know what? Yeah, I don't get it when coaches do this in general. Um, it, it kind of pisses me off when you that you that you use your challenge in the first quarter or the second quarter. It doesn't make you know any a sense. Lot of the ta- who who what was the challenge for? It was for um Damien Lee charge, bro. Damien bro, Lee that- Udoka did the exact same thing. Second quarter, it was a charge in the restricted area. I was like, what are you doing? It was a waste. Yeah, that it that, that that sort of shit pisses me off. I mean, like, I mean, who cares if Damien Lee picks up the foul? Like, it's Damien Lee, like he's not gonna play more than 10 minutes. And I mean, even if he gets the five fouls, so what? Yeah. Take him out of the game, like, he doesn't play, it doesn't really matter. So, like to use that challenge there when I think Draymond might have had like two fouls, Steph might have had three. 
in the first half. If they get a fourth or like a fifth in the third quarter, then it's looking a bit sticky and like you haven't got your challenge to you. So that was this nasty mismanagement. And um, yeah, man, they're in for a ride in Sacramento, man. <laughs> I'll be keeping my eyes peeled in that one for sure. Let's actually let's not even get into that ground. <laughs> before we before we move on, a conspicuous absence. I don't maybe because Nee isn't trying to get too excited before yeah. get get ahead of the car. I know but this as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, bro, on, he was amazing. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Claire was amazing. Like, he was also like another like player of the game, but I had to give it to Luni this time. I know, I know why. Him. I know, I know why he's doing it. He does. He doesn't want Clay to drop twelve in the next the next game. He probably like, oh, will. He probably will drop twelve in the bro. And like, I'm some shots he was taking like yesterday. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? But he was hot. So like, when Clay gets like that, like you let him get into the zone and like we find him. Um, I mean, it's game six, Clay. But um, like, I mean, this series in general. Uh, yeah, boy, it, it's been a bit of a sticky one. So but also, I, feel, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's the consensus online, but before we recorded, I just was having a quick scroll and I saw someone clowning Clay for celebrating and stuff. And I was like, bro, he scored 30 in a game that has won the series, and the guy has been looking the end of his career in the face for the yeah. last two years. Like, I I don't know. Listen, I'm a hater in it, but you've <laughs> got to be wired differently. To be hating on Clay Thompson celebrating yeah. win after coming back from two absolutely ridiculous injuries, after coming back having to adjust to the fact that he's never going to be the player that he was before those injuries, he's been able to compete and contribute massively at the highest level. Let him enjoy. That's what all those days in the gym were for, you know. Um, all those calf raises that he probably has to do, and, still, and he still does. And and finally, me. Um, who were the lights too bright for? I have a feeling I know who you're going to say, but go on. Nasty Brett. Um, it might be a couple of players. So I thought Jordan Poole was like, really, like particularly poor. Okay. Um, and like, it was going to be Steph, but because he made those shots in the fourth, I'm going to allow him today, but he played like a bozo yesterday. Um, but yeah, on Jordan Poole, um, he didn't have a great game. And like defensively, like um, Dylan Brooks was just killing him. Like, bro, like, can you please like pick up your man? Um, but he's like a traffic cone defense is, is kind of nuts to watch sometimes and when he's not doing what he can do offensively um like you start to question if he needs to be out there for as long as he wow. Wow. no no i think that for the 30 hot minutes takes, maybe these are hot takes we need to create a, a, your own segment just let you get your shit off man just let you get your shit off after it was a, a very poor, frustrating series a man. I was getting pissed off, man. Um, yeah, this is great. But I think like I'm Jeremy Jackson as well. Um, he disappointed me. Um, because like, they wanted the two big lineup. They had Stephen Adams and him. And that like, in the first quarter, he, he was aggressive. He was getting to people's chest. Like he was getting to the line. He was getting to the basket. Like kind of dominating there. But then um, you just like I mean, you kind of wanted more from him. I mean, that game. Like I'm um, Dylan Brooks had a good game. Um, I'm um, Desmond Bain had a good game. And you just want more from Jeremy Jackson because like he's quite a dominant force and like that like you would hope that he would kind of take over in spurts and that just give you a bit more but in terms of like rebounding and just like getting to the rim and like making things difficult for Draymond and putting him in foul trouble I felt like they could have done more there in Memphis and um yeah I mean, his output wasn't what I expected because he's, he's been a lot better in other games this series. Mm, scoring, he, he struggles to come by scoring to be honest and he needs to yeah he needs to get in the lab and figure out how he's going to 
be a 15 to 20 point per game scorer because he's definitely going to be someone who wants to um, get a max contract. Yeah. One of the nastiest looking shots in the league, respectfully. Oh, he's disgusting, bro, man. <laughs> I mean, him, Dylan Brooks, like, um, I just have no favors ever going in. And when he starts hitting, it's just mad deflating for me. Does, so yeah, I can't, look can't right, imagine yeah. what's for the defender. Uh, let's finish up. Uh, we're going to come across to the final series, uh, the other game seven on Sunday. Um, the Phoenix Suns versus the Dallas Mavericks. Yes, take us through the series, sir. Weird series, man. Weird series. No, no one can get a grip of of any sort of road form, road win whatsoever. Um, Phoenix won by seven at home. Then they won by 20 at home. Then they won by uh, 20 at home again in game five. Dallas have won by, I think it was like nine, uh, 10, and now 20 or 23 or whatever it was last night. Um, yeah, so so I guess by that token, Phoenix should be happy that game seven is, is at home in Arizona, but they've been so inconsistent, Phoenix, man. And I think more concerningly for Phoenix is even in, even in the um, last win, it just they got a bit hot, but I don't know, man. I think Chris Paul is starting to creak a little bit. Thirty-seven now, not a big body. They've really, really struggled with um, Reggie Bullock being put on him. He he struggled to shake him off at all. Um, Devin Booker, we'll talk on in a minute. Um, but yeah, Luca, Luca's t- Luca. I think they've got the right balance now, Dallas, between Luca and Brunson. They've started like they they've got their they've got their rhythm now. They're getting equal touches, not equal, but you know maybe 60 40 um keeping Brunson like we mentioned earlier with keeping him warm it, yeah the thing is, you yeah know, then Luca plays in the row and then you swing it to Brunson do something then mate oh and then <laughs> have your have your fun nah, but he, he he was good last night Brunson um Chris Paul was guarding him and and couldn't really handle him for a lot of last night Luca had an amazing game um but yeah just a weird series in that like none of the games feel particularly close like the winner is always very very clear quite early on um so there's not a lot of suspense and and it it's just so weirdly inconsistent to be honest. I think Dallas are relying a lot on the shots falling. Phoenix, I guess, the same. But um, yeah, strange series, man. Cool. Um, let's go through Game Six. What's your overview of Game Six? <sighs> Phoenix were poor, really poor. I think you can credit Dallas um, with some stuff, but. I think it was 22 turnovers. There was like 15 of those during the first three quarters. The game fell out of sight midway through the third quarter, to be honest. Um, Chris Paul was really, really struggled. Booker really struggled. The turnovers and and the efficiency from Booker was horrific. Um, Interesting stuff from Jason Kidd. We'll talk about in a little bit in the, in the coaching battle, but um, yeah, just, just a, just a good Dallas performance maximized by a really bad Phoenix one. Like the turnovers were insane. Some of it was good for stuff like coming out of steals and stuff. Some of it was just giving the ball up totally Um, Mm. weird as well. Like that uh, Phoenix early on, some of the typical Phoenix stuff was working. Like Aiton was getting some joy and a lot of good ball movement out to Crowder and stuff, but they just stopped it. I think, I think Dallas is defending has been really good all series. Um, Phoenix getting hot has, has made it look not great. But I think I think last night they really dialed it in. Luca was good. Reggie Bullet was good. Um, 
but yeah, just just Phoenix were awful, and I think I think yes, it's at home, and and like like we said, this they, the home advantage has been really big in this series. But this is where I think Nigi can have some solace in that both these teams are good, but neither of them look unbeatable at all. Nah, um, not, much, not too much concern. So I think I think the West. Oh wow! So you're back now. Not too much concern, yeah. There is no concern. I mean, you struggle to get Memphis, but not too much concern, yeah. If you're Phoenix or you're mad, you don't think the Warriors and have too much concern either. Like I, I think the winners gonna come from the East in terms of the NBA. Yeah. Come from the West, like, it does feel like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the NBA's got the, the, the levels. The, the level feels higher. Yeah, um, we've said that all season, though, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, quite disappointing, Phoenix man. Like the games that I haven't caught every single all of the six games, but the ones I have caught, um, I've caught more in Dallas. So I've I've seen more of Dallas being the good team, including Game Six. But the turnovers were awful. Carl Bridges looks shot to pieces. He looks knackered. Chris Paul looks knackered. Um, Devin Booker. For all his like little talking and drawing at Luca, he did not show up well at you all. See Devin Booker, I want to have a moment about Devin Booker. Yeah, really, really good player, super smooth, great three level scorer. He just ain't it for me, man. He's just missing he just, something. He just, I don't know yeah. what it is. I think it's the bite, the physicality is not there. Um, like Tatum, you know I think Tatum's a good comp. I know, I know Booker hasn't got quite as many inches on him and stuff, but. I think Tatum is a good comp that when Tatum gets a bit between his teeth and gets physical and, and starts getting to the basket more aggressively, he unlocks a new level. Booker's probably got more class to his game, but he just hasn't mm. got that drive for me. Mm -hmm. Like he, he, he gets flustered, he gets rattled, um, he hasn't got the size to 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 bang mm. against against people a bit smaller he settles, than him. He settles, and I think there was something I was mentioning earlier in the week. It's very, in my mind, difficult in the playoffs if you don't have at least one guy who can consistently pressure the rim. Like, hold on, we need a bucket here. It's not going to be a, a fall-away free. It's not going to be a mid-range jumper. Regardless of how good I, I hit them, I'm just going to get to the rim and I'm either converting a layup, a dunk, I'm getting myself free, two free throws and we're getting some points on the board. And when you don't have at least one player on your roster who can do that consistently in the playoffs, that's how you go through these 10... One ten two runs, twelve four runs because Chris Paul wants to hit his mid range jumpers and his freeze. Um, Deandre Ayton, soft man, he's soft. Mm, yeah, they don't have a bully. Yeah. They don't have a bully, Phoenix, and that's a problem. Well, they have they have Bismack, but but then you've got oh, the no, bully no, without no. the without <laughs> the without the other side of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, who was your man of the match yesterday? Oh, sorry, the day before. I don't think you can look past Luca. Luca was outstanding, right? The kind of quintessential Luca game. Um, just got to his spots at will, got into the mid range at will, got to the basket at will. Um, shot it not well from three, but it was weird. Like the box score looked awful, but none of them felt that forced. He was just missing them. Um, he was really good, but Reggie Bullock was outstanding. Like Reggie mm. Bullock, when when Reggie Bullock, Reggie Bullock is. I'm not saying he's the best one, but like he's a really, really good. If someone asked me to go look at a good three and D player, I'd be like, mm -hmm. go look at Reggie Bullock, man. Um, had Chris Paul in hell when he switched on to Booker. Booker struggled five of 11 from deep. Um, it was weird. Like yeah, Phoenix were right. almost daring him to shoot sometimes. Like he had so much, some of them were so wide open. I think a lot of that is down to Luca, but um, relocates well, found loads of space. Reggie Bullock was really, really good. Really good. 
Lovely, lovely. I always like when the play, uh, the man of the match is not an obvious. So I love your pick today of Looney, and I love Yas picking um, Reggie Bullock. It's easy to pick the guy who picked up the most stats. Um, and you guys showed the, the time and effort you put into watching these games because you know we got a box score guys and we, we got a forty eight minute guys. We love you, and we love you all. Um, who, who won the coaching battle? Oh, do you know what? Before get... you start, I feel yeah. like Jason Kidd takes a shot at Chris Paul in every post game. What did he say this time? I, I haven't heard anything re- um, like in the last two games, but like for the first three or four games, he would mention cr- something about Chris Paul. Like I think maybe they asked him about Lucas flopping. Yeah, learn that from Chris Paul. Um, yeah, I saw that one. When they beat, we're being shown by one of the greatest of all time. Exactly. I think when they beat them on. Chris Paul's birthday or that like the day after. That was a birthday. Happy birthday, Chris Paul. I, I'm loving that during from. Do you know from Jason what? I think Kidd. I think Jason Kidd as well. Like he got a lot of a lot of like shit, and it's tough to judge coaches sometimes. Like you don't really know what goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, like people are like, oh, the Lakers are shit now. Kid left, and it's like, yeah, well, you don't know like what really. Mm-hmm. But he he does seem to be a player, a, a coach that players enjoy playing for. Yanis has spoken about his yeah. his relationship being really good with him. Damian Lillard was public in saying, yeah, I want Jason Kidd before Chauncey Billups got that job. Um, and I think it's little things like that. Like he is he is still a floor general. He is still a, a bit of a player. Um, mm. And I think I think he is good with the accountability stuff. I think he his his people management is really, really good. And I think I think Luca's probably relishing that relationship, like especially after Carlisle. Mm. Which was so toxic by the end. Like, I think, I think, I think kids, kids been a real breath of fresh air. Um, and again, it's, it's similar to Odoka. I see the jobs as really, really similar. To be honest, in terms of what they've done, they've just come in, and accountability seems to have been the key thing. Getting people to buy in defensively. Yeah. Um, Boston have a roster maybe more perfectly like built for defense, but then it's not like Dallas are really shy at all. Like Dwight Powell. Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson are massive drop-offs in terms of defender from Marcus Smart, Rob Williams, Al Horford, um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and all that. But you wouldn't be able to tell by how how active their hands are, how much, how well they close spaces, how well they force people into tight spots. Um, he's done such a good job there, man. And I think even last night with the coaching battle, Monty, I, I'm a bit confused at something of what Monty's doing, man. Um, I think just in terms of personnel choices, like it's the playoffs, you want to limit it, right? I get that. Mm. Um, like Frank Nilakina had one of the most impactful 0.20 minutes I've I've seen in these playoffs. Like he came Frankie in and smokes. made <laughs> came in and made Booker's life really hard. Like, and then that's interesting, but that's someone who hasn't seen a lot of time. Um, mm. didn't see a lot of time in the first round. His his minutes have increased a little bit through the second round, but he just got thrown in for over 20 last night by by a kid. Um, not last night, night before, and then you compare that to to Monty, and I, I don't obviously I don't know about some of the injury situation, everything like that. But we talked about DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton isn't everyone's cup of tea. DeAndre Ayton does have maybe a soft street, and he, but he was dominating. He you feed him, he he has that matchup win over Dwight Powell for me. Um, when they go small, he's got the height over Kleber. Mm-hmm. He played thirty minutes, and like. I feel like they were winning the Aiton minutes. I feel like I, I feel like he was not the problem when they were feeding Aiton. It worked well. Um, Thirty minutes in a in a game six of a second round 
is is insane. I don't know if it's his physical limits or whatever. And then campaigns totally out of the rotation now. Yeah, he's been atrocious, man. He's been bad. But then the the alternative is Landry Shamit running point for twenty minutes. (laughs) I hear you, yes, I hear you. But campaign's been awful, man. Campaign has been bad. Campaign has been bad. But it's just almost like a. Landry, can you show me something else? Like, Please. You, you're not uh, better than him, but can you show me yeah, something? Yeah, because Landry hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't. Um, yeah, Bismack getting 15 minutes, Landry getting nearly 20. Um, campaign has been bad, you're right. But it's just, I don't know. I feel like Aiton, uh, I don't know. I like, he won more, innit? You should be on the court till he's almost falling over his feet. Finished. Like, yeah. you, you, you compare it to the... the um, Sixers game and and bead, not the most durable guy is playing forty four. You compare it to Milwaukee, Boston. Giannis is playing over forty minutes. Tatum's playing nearly forty three. Um, like maybe he's just not built like that physically or whatever. But it's it's I don't know. That's 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 your starting center. He had a fantastic form on the way to the finals. He was having a pretty good game last night. Bit of a weird one. Um, but yeah, I think kid 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 done him like kid kid. Um. Throws throws people you don't expect into the lineup. Um, tries different things defensively. Sometimes they switch. Sometimes they show. Sometimes they hedge. Sometimes they let it go into the corner and force you baseline and, and trap you there. Um, really good game from Jason Kidd. Lovely. Um, what did you have as your play of the game? And play of the game. Do you know what? It it wasn't as like a beautifully crafted thing like the the after timeout the sideline out of bounds play for Boston but um middle of the first quarter five minutes left roughly Luca gets a steal on Booker um gets it goes down the other end gets to his spot uh I think Kleber comes in seals it and, and Booker gets to the basket no problem um Suns go down the other end get a look um then Luca brings it back up gets to the basket, kicks it out to Brunson. He misses the three suns down the other end, get a look. And then Luca gets it again, and he just um, gets a little screen set for him by Reggie Bullock. Chris Paul, way too small for him. Luca step back three over him and puts Dallas up 20 to 19. Dallas didn't surrender the lead for the rest of the game. And that's kind of what I mean by this weird series where once the team gets control of it, it's not really like an ebb and flow Boston, Milwaukee, anyone's game. And I think... Yeah, it's a lot slower the pace, yeah. Yeah, and I think Luca just... That was a really nice little stretch of a minute and a half from Luca. He got the steal, he, he, he got to the basket, then he set up Brunson, then he got the step back three. And you could see from then that he just had... He had he had his rhythm from then, man. So that, that felt that felt like a real Luca takeover loading moment. Yeah, I think... <laughs> Obviously, we kind of spoke at the top of the playoffs and we talk, spoke about the Suns dominating in the regular season, but nobody wanted to crown them. Like, something just didn't, even though, like, you know, all the advanced metrics told you they were firing. But you know what you're looking at when you when you watch teams, how they go about getting basket. Yeah. Are, are the looks you're getting in the regular season going to translate to the playoffs? Do you have, I feel like, if you don't have two, two guys who can go off for 25 um, in a playoff game at will almost, you, you, you're asking a lot, and and the Suns don't almost kind of don't have one. Like Devin Booker, when he's hot, he's hot. Um, but those clunker games are not outliers. I just, for Devin Booker. I just feel like, from what I've seen, where if the Suns get to the finals, they're seeing Miami, Milwaukee, or Boston. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to bully like them, man. All three of those teams are beating dominating. them up. All yeah. three of those teams are beating them up, and Agreed. I think that is where where they'll where they'll struggle. They're a great team, um, but yeah, there's just something missing. And Mikael Bridges, Mikael Bridges, obviously, I love Mikael Bridges. I think we all do. Like really, really good. He's just not looking great these last couple of games. Like he's just mm. he's struggling. Um, just what I think the blunder of the game for me was was one of his turnovers. It was it was insane. I think um, start of the third. You want to you want to start the start the half off right. And he just it, it, he just threw it away. Like it wasn't a pass. It wasn't a handle. It, it just fell out of his hands. And it was just and then they scored off the off the transition. I think. Yeah, Mikhail Bridges is probably their one enforcer, maybe Jay Crowder, but apart like they're they're not big bodies really. Like they're yeah. great defenders, but I could just see Portis Yanis, Drew, yeah. I could see Tatum, uh, Horford, Smart, uh, Brown, Smart. I could see Williams, yeah. Yeah, Butler, Bam. Um I could I could just see, yeah, I could just see them getting getting a little bit bullied. Um I agree. Wow. I agree. That's how they lost the finals last year. To be to, to be fair, Drew beat them up on the perimeter. Yanis <laughs> uh, beat them up in the interior. So, um, really good team. They've had a really great season. I would not be surprised if Luca went nuclear and Dallas stole it from them in Game Seven. To be yeah. honest with you, I, I I feel it's weird to say because everyone's won their home game. So you, yeah, if you're, better, if you're a better like man, you go. go. If you're a better man, you go Phoenix, right? Yeah. But, I just I don't know. I feel like Dallas take game seven. I don't know. That's what I, I that's what I think yeah. as well. That's what I think as well. Um, so this has been a longer pod than we usually um do when we're covering the playoffs. So obviously we've had quite a few series to cover. I want to thank you both for, for going into to such uh, depth and keeping me laughing the whole way through as well. Um so shout out yeah, shout out Ni Ni, you're in the Western Conference final. So we'll be seeing you on pods again very shortly. Um, might not be seeing me, boys. Fuck me, you might not be seeing me. <laughs> I'm going to need you, yeah. Celtics or not. I, I, I'm going to need you. I'll be seeing you soon too, bro. Um, good luck this weekend, yeah? Nice one, mate. Peace. Bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.